Sci-Fi for Me presents Jason Hunt and Timothy Harvey. This is the H2O Podcast. Hello, folks, and welcome to H2O. I am Timothy Harvey. And I'm Jason Hunt. And a programming note, we're recording, we're pre-recording this show again this week, like we did. Did we do that last week? Last week as well, yeah. Last week. Uh, last week, because you had uh, Kansas City Fringe Festival. Right. And I was getting ready to get married. Yeah. Which happened on a Tuesday. And, um, and then... This <laughs> is not an omen. This is not a sign. Yeah, we're trying. We're trying to break the curse here, I guess, a little bit. Um, but this week, it's my fault that we're pre-recording because um, uh, a couple of things. I am also prepping to guest host Salacious Crumbs, our Star Wars show, because McKenna is out doing family stuff, getting ready to move herself, um, and we haven't done a show in a month, so we need right. to kind of get back into that. And also, um, Monday night at 9 p.m. Central, I am going to be a guest on Clint Stoker's Sweetcast channel over on YouTube, and that's going to be a live thing. So we're pre-recording this to accommodate my schedule doing that, and hopefully that will lead to more eyeballs on this. So, sure. you know, it, it's one of those things, it's kind of a kind of a you scratch my back, I scratch yours type of thing, because Clint's got uh, an indie comic mm -hmm. uh, that he's been uh, promoting over on Indiegogo. He's raising funds for that. So you know, he's part of that scene where there's a lot of indie comics creators that go through and, and talk about stuff. So we're going to try to increase our coverage of not only indie comics, but just com the comics mm -hmm. industry in general. Yeah. Dayton Bossard, who is intern number three, uh, has come on board and he's he's very hot to trot for covering anime and manga and comics and so we're gonna we're hopefully that means we're gonna start putting out more uh, comic book reviews and interviews with creators and right. and that sort of thing so we're just just kind of you know doing doing the dance doing mm -hmm. the shuffle so. now I recently had the opportunity to appear on the traveling the vortex podcast yes. How'd that go, anyway? It went very well. Good. It went very well. And we are, for those of you who have not seen our show, Tardis Sauce, that's our Doctor Who show, and those gentlemen, uh, in combinations of one, two, or three, there are three hosts on their show, um, appear on Tardis Sauce with me as we discuss Doctor Who things. That's such a clever title. It is such a clever title. <laughs> uh, and I wonder who. Uh, and uh, we just... Uh, Recorded two episodes back to back. We uh, uh, for scheduling is is a challenge. With when you get more people, you add to a podcast, right. the harder right. it is to schedule things. Um, and you think about things like this, where you know, I had the Fringe Festival. You've got the podcast. All these different things that we can that can interfere with what your plans are. Now multiply that. So we were very very happy last night to to have a chance to record, and we've brought ourselves all the way through the first season of Jody Whitaker's Doctor. Now, does that include the includes, New Year's? Includes a New Year's special. Okay, good. Um, and then beyond that, uh, because we unfortunately are looking at, well, maybe a Christmas special this year. There's room. That's the rumor mill is that we're getting a Christmas special this year, uh, because it will be. Right now, we're not scheduled to get anything else in 2019. 
Right. Um, so we've got a lot of other things we want to talk about, uh, a lot of things that have come up in the course of our discussions about various other things. I think the next one's probably going to be a comparison between the steampunk Dalek from um, Resolution versus the Cyber King from the next Doctor. And apparently this could be a heated discussion. Oh, really? Oh, yes. There's, oh, there's some... <clears throat> the lads from, from Traveling the Vortex expressed some strong opinions amongst themselves about the Cyber King. Really? That's very interesting. Okay. So some fun stuff coming up there. All right. So, and, um, and our topic this time is something, and, and I we have kind of dropped the ball a little bit on this, and uh, a lot of it was... Um, a lot of it I will take the hit for as far as uh, responsibility because um, not only was I getting ready to get married because that ha that happened, but also moving mm -hmm. and not just moving myself, but basically shifting everything in and amongst four different houses. Right. Because I moved into, well, you know, uh, Minnie and I bought the house that her mom was living in. Mm -hmm. So I moved my stuff into the house. Then we've got to move Mindy's stuff into the house. So we moved Mindy's mom's stuff to the new place. So between all of the four different locations, it's been really, really, really a mess. Just hectic. This, this would actually forth. not be a question of dropping the ball. It's a question of being busy. Well, yes. And, <laughs> and because of that... Um, some things fell by the wayside. You know, we it, missed, it, it missed a couple happen. of weeks right. with yeah. with uh, cosplay diaries, and you know, Salacious Crumbs has gotten behind, and and you know, tartar sauce, and was, you know, all of these different things, and passing on different articles to people to write news items, kind of sunk a few different rungs on the ladder of Perfectly priority. understandable. So. Normally, about this time of year, we have a slew of articles wrapping up all of the news from Comic-Con International out of San Diego. Mm -hmm. And we categorize, you know, we'll have the Star Trek news in one, we'll have the DC comic stuff and the Marvel stuff and right. the Star Wars stuff and and this over here and this over here and then, you know, the video game news and all these different right. things. Yeah. And we haven't done that this year. And it's it's been... Bugging me slightly because there's a lot of stuff yeah. that has come out of San Diego. But um, since we've got an hour, hour and a half here to talk, we can just we'll just we can just go through talk. the biggest news right. out of San Diego and see if uh, see if there's anything else uh, that we can cover. So where where we start. Actually, and I'm and I'm engineering the program as well as as co-hosting. But let me start here. We are brought to you in part by SuperheroStuff.com, where you can get a 10% discount when you enter the promo code Sci-Fi for Me 10. Now you can do it the old-fashioned way. You can type in SuperheroStuff.com in a URL in your browser, or if you want to get really high-tech and fancy, you can scan the QR code that we've got there on the screen. And you can go straight to the site. But 10% uh, off, we're really happy to have them uh, back as marketing partners uh, for this and uh, other shows. So, you know, just uh, one of those things. So, a lot of cool, a lot of cool things, no matter what, what, 
genre, what aspect of genre you enjoy. There's a lot of cool things on the site. Yes. And uh, there's my shot. Can you, my, my shot looks like it's, it's uh, got a lot of headroom. <laughs> and that's the camera that never moved out of, out of anything that, uh, that we did. So, yeah, that looks a little bit better. Let's see. There is your shot. Uh, our single our single shots we're we're i'm just making sure that i'm pushing all of the all of the right buttons here folks so so there we go all right so forward side side what's the alt alt yeah a a a b yeah. left right <laughs> thing whatever whatever that is so if you want to if you okay if you want to be part of the program, you can send us an email, h2o at sci-fi4me.com, or you can, um, you can use the hashtag H2O podcast. And, you know, when you borrow other people's tech and then it stops working and then you don't know how to make the tech work. Oh, there we go. All right. So, I, all right, there we go. Minty's got this laptop. For those of you who are listening to the show, if you're listening and you're listening on uh, iHeartRadio, hi, welcome. Yes. Thanks for thanks for listening. iHeartRadio is a new thing for us. Mm -hmm. um, if if you're listening, Mindy's got the laptop that has the the screen that pops up. Right. Yeah. Uh -huh. and it's, turns it into becomes, a very turns nice into a tablet. tablet. Yeah. A very nice tablet here. Um, but it, it the screensaver setting on it apparently is. Um, zero dark 30 i mean it's right. you know if if it sits for five seconds turn it off mm -hmm. so i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to talk to her about that but we've got a number of emails with news <laughs> from san diego comic-con where shall we start because we got a lot of trailers we got mm -hmm. a lot of news for uh season renewals new shows uh, uh, uh final seasons yeah cancellations new movie projects we got part of what's coming next for Marvel. Um, not so much anything for DC because Warner Brothers and DC decided to skip this year. Although, Although we did get some trailers out of out of there uh, uh, that were, or at least adjacent. Did did we get anything? What there, did we get from um, DC? There's the they they put out some trailers for. The next season of uh, the WB shows. Oh well, the shows. W, the yeah, the CW shows. CW, yeah. WB, CW. Um, we got the we got the new trailer for the new Harley Quinn, adult targeted. Uh, yes. And, and I'll be perfectly the honest. Animated thing. This was, is Kaylee Cuoco playing right. uh, Car Harley. And I'll be perfectly honest. I was very entertained by the trailer, but it is, and I think that it is it is cl clearly not aimed at children. No. And I think that's perfectly fine. I, I don't have an issue with that as long as there's the distinction. And I think that what we ran into with some of the the DC animated films is that some of the more adult-er titles weren't necessarily marketed as such. Right. Whereas as this is very much marketed well, as an adult title. Even, adult even though, you know, even and if you've got... I laughed at the trailer. Uh, but even if you've got something, it's a cartoon. And you can oh. only you can only market a cartoon to adults so much. There are and going to be people. The that problem are with that is that, it, that is so historically inaccurate, though, because because if you bear in mind the reality, you know, things like Warner Brothers cartoons were not aimed at children. They were aimed at and and if but you go they back, appeal to children. Well, and, they and appeal to children now. 
But the target audience back when Warner Brothers started putting out Bugs Bunny cartoons, and if you pay attention to the humor, it's not aimed at children. It, well, see, but the thing about it is, though, that, that kind of humor is not overt. It's it's, uh, in, it's subtle. It's but, under the well, radar where the grown-ups will only get it. Be, because, only because they had to. But it works better that way. It worked, if it had it been really well. in it, your face that way, it, well, then it wouldn't it, have been but it, as well. But it couldn't have. Well. They, could, they couldn't have done it because of the, the, the way that the uh, what could be shown in film and television simply wasn't allowed. No, I know. For but something like I'm, this, I think, I think, no, I think that, that you're, you've got, you've got you're, box, you're boxing yourself into. But you've got entire generations that have grown up with the Bugs Bunny Roadrunner. The sure, cartoons sure. on Saturday morning were but, for kids. But things like, yeah, but the thing is, is that cartoon, there have been cartoons aimed at adults as long as there have been cartoons. And so whether or not you want to watch this particular R-rated cartoon is going to be your own personal decision but it is all it's very much um a gra- there's a grand tradition of cartoons aimed at grown-ups and this is a this is a cartoon aimed at grown-up comic book fans and i'm not arguing that point i'm just saying that it is a challenge to market a cartoon specifically for adults you can only go so far because there are going to be people out there and most of them are going to be younger who are going to sit there and say oh this is a cartoon this is something i watch with my kids and then no it's not this is uh, once again it's always a good reminder folks pay attention to what your kids are watching (laughs) if you are comfortable watching them with them watching certain material fine if you're not fine Make I, uh, those decisions, make those guidelines, and be responsible. I remember when... You're the adult in the room. And I've told this story before. Um, when we watched... Uh, I watched um, Flashpoint mm-hmm. with my kid. And he was, I think, maybe 14 or 15. And it was... He may have been a little bit younger than that. But it was a PG-13 cartoon. Mm-hmm. Very bloody. Mm-hmm. This is this is the first one out of the gate that was not yeah. uh, uh, Andrew Romano and Bruce Timm and, mm-hmm. and that lot. It was James Tucker. And he had taken over. And the sensibility of the animated projects have definitely shifted under James Tucker's time. Yeah, and I think that, that, that that's an example of a... The Flashpoint series... Uh, the actual comic itself was extremely dark, and so I, that's that's one they should have done. A, in my opinion, they should have done a very con, conscientious job of marketing the animated. Any adaptation of it was going to be dark yes. and bloody and violent because the source material is, and so that's an example of of I think where DC's animated properties have not done a particularly good job of differentiating between what is all audiences a little more family friendly versus things that are going to be more you know I, I think they, I guess I, I could see how they might want to try and avoid an R rating on a cartoon but maybe you need to go there uh, for some of this stuff because there's stories you can tell that are R rated if they ever do a, a really good Watchmen and this is a, I, I, this is a, just an example I'm not advocating for this they do a really really you know faithful adaptation uh, animated adaptation of Watchmen, you'd have to be a fool to not rate it R. Right. Well, and that's and that's what they're doing with um, you know we we see we got a Watchmen trailer mm-hmm. uh, over from HBO. So yeah. 
All right, where is the enter button on this thing? Oh goodness, this, I, I have no clue. Anyway, um, the if you if you haven't checked out the the trailer for for Harley Quinn, the Harley Quinn series is out there in the internet, and um, it is. It, like I said, it's very much, very much geared for adults. Um, there are trailers for uh, the CW series. Of course, the big focus there is the final season of Arrow. Yes. Uh, leading up to the Crisis, Crisis on Infinite Earths adaptation. And that, that looks to be like it is building toward all the crazy. Yeah. And I... Okay. Here's what we know so far. Mm-hmm. We know that Crisis on Infinite Earths is going to adapt the 12-issue crossover series that basically destroyed all the continuity problems and created all new continuity the problems. The attempt to it, fix all the continuity problems. The attempt problems. to clean house. Um, 1986? 1986. Yeah. 85, 86. And um, it was Len Wayne and uh, George Perez mm-hmm. as the principal creators. There were a number of other people involved. But this crossed over all of the DC Comics universe and smashed everything up. And it's and an absolutely amazing thing. series that is. is also, like many other industry-changing series, things like Watchmen, things like Crisis, uh, the repercussions, the fallout over time uh, was not planned. The, the, right. Every... every comic publisher has to have a crisis on infinite earths at some point well, in some way some big you know the the challenge line with, wide yeah the challenge with crisis on infinite earth was the that it took care of a number of continuity issues and created a whole bunch more. it created a whole bunch more which they tried to clean up in infinite crisis and then they tried to clean up in well, final crisis they try, yeah they, those, they, it's, those yeah. it was like oh we'll, well need another it, thing and then they tried to clean it up with the new 52 and we all know how that turned out yeah Re- rebirth is kind of trying to clean some of that up rebirth but. at least at least rebirth is staring directly at the audience and going we know the the thing is the the, the what I'm the scuttlebutt that I'm hearing about rebirth and the DC Comics line as it is now is the fact that Jeff Johns has gone has has not been as directly involved now as he was at the very beginning of the Rebirth reboot, and because of that, we're starting to see some of the cracks in the walls mm. with what's been going on over there. Some people who are not happy with what they're seeing coming out of DC. Um, and that's it, tangential to that. It was really interesting. I was looking at a thing, uh, a video from Richard Meyer, who was basically doing the math, and he said, if you figure up the number of the number of comic book shops that are still in business mm-hmm. that have survived this long, you figure it's somewhere between eighteen hundred and two thousand, right? Which is a scary small number. And he said, if you look at the the big blowout issues of back in the day when yeah. comics were a thing and they were selling a hundred thousand, hundred and fifty thousand copies and you know, and, and really comics were blowing and going. He said you couldn't even do it now. Just the math doesn't work right. because every single comic book shop would have to sell fifty to fifty five copies of a book in mm-hmm. order to get into that 100,000 mark. The top 100 right now on Comicron, 
number 100 is selling something like 18,000 it's it's i mean and and the comic book professional i mean I, we, we're going to talk san diego comic con but the comic book professionals are all sitting there you know they're the dog in the house on fire going oh it's fine everything's yeah. fine everything's fine and it's not fine it is demonstrably not fine and it doesn't seem like they want to do anything about it now dc has cut their line by about 24 percent as far as the number of titles and they're not renewing some of the creative teams they're 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 scaling back a little bit mm -hmm. marvel is doubling down yeah and in the process sitting there saying well if you don't if you don't like our book then go away if you don't like what we're doing then go away how dare you not like our book how dare you criticize our book that's harassment go away you troll and that's not that's not the approach to take either because that's not going to sell books and and Marvel's got even more books out there, and more variant covers, and more variant covers, and more variant, variant covers. covers, and oh hey, oh. here here's a variant cover, and they keep coming out with number ones, yeah. And that's not a sustainable model yeah. either. That's not that's yeah. not a strategy that's going to work for anything. So it's just it's one of those things where I'm thinking, why are you guys doubling down on this? And it clearly doesn't work. Dan DiDio at San Diego Comic Con to bring it back around. Dan DiDio at San Diego Comic-Con at the panel for DC. He says, because uh, they started printing these, uh, what they call the facsimile books, mm -hmm. which basically takes a comic book from back in the day, right. let's say Justice League 175, I mean, just sure. to pull a number out of the air, and they reprint the entire book, ads and all, everything just as it was back then. Mm -hmm. And Didio at the at the panel is like, well, these these facsimile these facsimile books are selling better than the stuff we're putting out now. I guess we need to I guess we need to change and keep moving forward and coming up with something else. It's like, no, wait, no, you almost had it. You almost you were almost there, almost there. Y yes, people are buying those books <coughs> because they were better. Well, no. See, I'm going to argue that because if you, depending on some of those facsimiles, depending on what they are, any of them, nostalgia is not better. Nostal well, n nostalgia may not better, but from a craft standpoint, a lot of people are sitting there saying in some that the way the, sto the stories are written and the stories that are being told that, and all of that. In some cases, that's probably true. But because I can back then, those books were not wearing their politics on the sleeve. Uh, 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 they weren't. It's not about politics. I'm talking about I'm talking about story quality. I'm folks. I I've been reading comic books my entire life. I used to have a, a very sizable collection of my dad's, and my dad collected comics all the way up through college. So I have comics that ran up to the '60s. And you look at some of the facsimiles. If you go look at those facsimiles, I've seen some of those original issues. They're long gone. I'm sad to say, um, but as much as I love, say the Kurt Swan aesthetic of the Superman titles, mm -hmm. a lot of those titles were terrible. There were a ton of classic, vintage, these are, you know, we love this stuff, except yeah. they were poorly written stories. And so it, the question about the politics is, is one thing, but sitting there and going, you know, I really, really love this book. It's this vintage thing. It's amazing. But the stories are often crap. I mean, they kind of are. Not always. No, not always. Some of them are amazing. But again, if people are buying things just because somebody buys something because it has nostalgia value or it's or it's a facsimile of something that was a certain period of, of a comic book that they love doesn't mean 
It doesn't. It simply doesn't mean that they're buying, they're they're excited about that because they they don't like the politics of what's now. Well, there are a lot of people that are not excited about the politics of what's well, now. Well, I'm sure there aren't, and, and I'm sure and, there are some and, who are. And I will also say, and I don't read comics for politics. John speaking. Byrne, uh, John Byrne made a very rare appearance at Fan Expo Dallas, mm-hmm. and he said uh, he said that back in the day. Uh, when he and Denny O'Neill were working on stuff. He says, Denny O'Neill is probably the farthest left, bleeding heart liberal that you would find in the industry at that point. Mm -hmm. John Byrne is not a liberal. He said, but we were working together and it was easier for us to work together because we were doing a Batman story. You were telling a Batman story and it wasn't about the politics. Mm -hmm. If you look at Mags Visaggio, for example, Bill Sienkiewicz, Mm -hmm. um, Gail Simone is even doing it. There are a lot of people now that are that are putting ideological stuff at the forefront. This is what a lot of people are complaining about now. Sure. Because it's harming the story. But that's just one facet of it. The other facet of it is you've got these same people who are Basically, it's it's mean girls on on social media, and I know we talked about social media being all all ugly and stupid mm-hmm. and stuff. But on social media, it's oh wait, you don't like my book? You're a Nazi. Go away. Don't buy my book. And that's that's the level of discourse that we're at right now, where the so-called professionals, and we've talked about this before, mm-hmm. the professionals are ugly, ugly yeah. people. Well, and that's never been uh, a new thing. Got news, folks. No, I. But, but when you wrote a when you wrote a letter to the editor back then, and you didn't like something, they didn't they didn't answer they didn't print the letter and then they sit there and the say. Sometimes they did. Sometimes Rarely? they they said. Sometimes, you know, I don't really like. You know, hey, we're sorry you didn't yeah, like but it. What, but we'll the, try this. But and the, we'll do it the again. vitriol stuff that happens now, and those letters are being written back then too. By the way, nobody was publishing those for very good reasons. Um, and the problem is, is that there's no way to not publish that anymore because the internet lets you publish I everything. Know, I know. But, so, but, no, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not arguing any of this. I am saying that um, the root problems of the comic industry right now, the politics is a part of it. It's not the core. The, the, root, the root problem is the very simple fact that the, you don't have to go to the comic book creators anymore to get the content. You can find it for free on the internet. There are people... You, you don't have to pay for this stuff anymore. It's a, it's a sad reality. It's the same thing. It's not like going to the movies. Well, and the other part of it, too, is, is the digital stuff. Yeah. Is, you know, things like Comixology and... Sure. You know, Amazon or wherever, all these other places where you can buy this stuff online. Now, everybody keeps saying that digital sales are great. But we don't have those numbers. We don't have those numbers. Nobody will give us those numbers. The thing, the, the the really strange thing is, is that until we get those numbers, you know, the for we honestly don't know how much the people in the industry are literally lying to themselves about about the success of their companies. Well, okay, neither not, neither of these companies are in any danger of going under. Okay, they're they are backed by very very deep pockets they're not um now they may they may shrink considerably 
they well, may how their how their content gets out may be completely a different thing in ten years. And see, uh, that's the thing we're starting to see this now because Marvel is starting to license their stuff to IDW, mm-hmm. and IDW is starting to print Marvel characters' stories. Yeah. And uh, it has a lot of people wondering if Marvel Comics, as an entity, is going to be around in five years. Now, Marvel Studios... Sure. Sure. Marvel, the Marvel brand, yeah, okay, that'll be there. But, I mean, we've seen you know, we're, all of this news coming out of San Diego, all of this stuff. Marvel's yeah. not going anywhere. But Marvel Comics... It might. ...may die in five years. And DC Comics is probably not going to be very far behind it. Because, you know, like, well, and we've seen this with a number of other comics imprints, Ahoy Comics, Oni Press, and, and Lion Forge getting all together at IDW. They're all forming their media yeah. arms, their media divisions. IDW is losing its shirt. Oh, yeah. IDW is so far in the red right now, they're, you know, they're digging their way to China. That, that, that's how red they are. It is very sad. We, I mean, we, Winona Earp yeah. production on Winona Earp season four it got affected by the fact that IDW was broke yeah and IDW doesn't acknowledge that they're broke they put their 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 quarterly reports out there and they show how much in debt they are and they have a loan that's about to come due that's going to put them even further in debt yeah. IDW is gone Effectively, I mean, there's really nothing. But you've got all of these, all of these comics companies that are now thinking, oh, well, we'll just, we'll just come up with something that can be licensed. Yeah, we're gonna get the, we're gonna have the next powers. We're gonna have the next lock and key. We're gonna have the next. Yeah, but but how many? But powers, powers is not a TV show anymore. Um, no, it's gone. Lock and key. It's about to launch on Netflix. And it could be amazing, but I have news. Lock and Key is a finite story. Yeah. You can only tell so many seasons of Lock and Key, even if you stretch it out multiple seasons. But see, they're not thinking about it. They're thinking, let's, let's license the thing that we have. I know, I know, I know. But and no, it's, and we're, we're coming up, well, we're seeing this with, with Lion Forge and Oni come together, and they've got this whole new thing. Mm-hmm. And humanoids, with, you know, they brought on Mark Wade, and, you know, Mark Wade's got his issues, but the whole humanoids thing. The goal is create this thing that can so go into movies is. and TV. It's so like, well, wait is. a minute. What happened to comic book publishers selling comic books? You know? I because, mean, because no comic in the history of comics sells a billion dollars worth. It doesn't have to sell a billion. No, but, but companies, we as much as we... However you feel about individual creators, however you feel about the art of this stuff, the art of the story, the art of the comic, you know, the, the individual comic artists you love whose styles are amazing and beautiful and they do wonderful work, it comes down to a very simple fact. They're all employed by somebody up the chain whose goal it is is to make the most amount of money. And if you're not making that through sales of print comics, maybe you're making it, maybe you are making a a metric crap ton in the digital world. Good for you. But if you're not making the money you want there, but you're making it over on the movie side of things, the 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 accountants are gonna sit there and go, 
this is our profit a lot profitable line the this thing. is the line that isn't profitable and you're gonna go well let's dump the money into the stuff that's profitable the and until is, the superhero bubble bursts right no and I and I get that but the idea here that the the that we're creating all of these new comic books in order to be the next comic book movie. Oh, it's stupid. It is stupid. It's stupid. And, but that's but, and the, but not only that. But the but, logic, the financial logic, isn't. It's not. It's not. It's not far sighted. Okay, we'll see. But it's let not me, stupid. Let me ask you this then, because we got mm. we got news, and this was before San Diego. We got news that one of Mags Visaggio's books is getting adapted by Sci-Fi. Mm-hmm. Uh, something Queen, Vagrant Queen, or something like that. I'm not familiar with that one. I'm not either. Nobody else is either because it didn't sell. So why adapt it well, for TV? Honestly, um, and and I can't speak to this particular one, but we've talked about this at various points in in at various forms. Some things don't work in certain mediums, and something that could work, something that could actually work as a moving picture, versus something that works static on the page we see a lot of this we sometimes we see this with comics going the other way where you sit there and you, you do you write a comic where you basically are looking at something that is not necessarily adaptable to a visual medium like a different kind of visual medium like film or television but it works both ways it doesn't it's not it's not as common and i'm not saying i'm not saying at all that this is the case it may simply be that it, though the price was right and they got their little you know we can adapt this thing because it costs us you know it does right. it, there's no giant price tag well but and, it could also be something and that also consider that magsasagio sells in the thousands any anything from but that it creator? May, it I mean, may, the Adventures of Kim and Kim sold in the hundreds. It I mean, may. This it, is not a successful comic book creator. But it and, may and, be a fantastic something that they think that they can turn into a TV show that's going to be really, really good. That it's and and the comic wasn't at the right time. I mean, there's a lot of different reasons why this could be, without having anything to do with the creator itself. You have to. You I mean you have to bear in mind that the people who made that decision aren't that creator. The people who bought the pro- the brought the bought the property, yes, or to adapt it, yes. isn't that person? No, I know, I know. They may sit there and go, you know what? We can make a cool TV show out of this. And I have and I have my and thoughts go- about why. And it's going to cost us fifteen dollars yeah, versus well, the you know fourteen million that I we have, have to pay for this. I have my thoughts as to why people keep hiring Mags and Sajo. It doesn't have anything to do with creative talent, but that's not that's not San Diego. San Diego Marvel. Mm-hmm. Let's start there couple of three things coming out of that last season of agents of shield season mm-hmm. seven right that's going to be going away i have not caught up i need to catch up yeah i have not seen this i haven't seen any of this season and I, i've seen the first i think three or four episodes and it's not for lack of interest it's just a matter no, of time, time and and other focuses i have to have right now um i've we've talked about this when we when we covered agents of shield on a regular basis here um once you get past that first Half of season one, the show has been really solid and has actually gotten very, very good. Some seasons yeah. were really, really good. Um, I think it's I think it's a shame that it's going off the air, but it's also had a good run. Honestly, I'm not well, I'm not upset about its length. Its length. On, and on to TV. see uh, to see the interview, uh, the, I was reading the interview with Jeff Loeb, who was talking about you know because ABC came to them mm-hmm. at the end of season five when you know Coulson is dead, right? And spoiler. They got, that's it. And the network came back to them and said, do you have another season? And 
they were like, oh, yeah, well, he could probably come up with a season six, 13 episodes. And so far, so far, what I've seen, I, I like. Mm-hmm. I've been pretty impressed with what I've seen so far. I'm not very far into it. Yeah. But the, the, the setup where we are yeah. so far is, is pretty good. And then they said, well, can you do it again? Can you do a season seven? And they thought, yeah, but that'll be it. So it wasn't the network canceling right. the show. Right. The production team said, End "Which of honestly seven. is the way it should be." Yeah, if, if you, you can if, control if how the opportunity you go out. arises, and it's and it's yeah. and again, TV is a business, and so you don't often have that choice. And we we've lost a lot of great shows that way. Yeah. But it's cool that they're getting to go out um, on their own terms there. Um, and we got some interesting movie news. Yes, we some did. of which is kind of exciting. Marvel movie news. Marvel movie well, news. other movie news, but Marvel. Sure. Yeah, so we um, got Black we're get, Widow. We're getting the finally, Black, which is set. Uh, it's a, it's not. It's a flashback. It's story. a flashback story. Thank you. Um, and we get to see the other Black Widow. Mm-hmm. Which, for those of you who have not read the various Black Widow comics. This is, and and it's not going to be a straight adaptation, just like none of the Marvel movies have been. But this is a character who's appeared in the comics. Uh, she has been uh, an antagonist for Natasha Romanoff, um, our black our Black Widow, um, and it is an interesting character in her own right. So I'm very interested to see what they do with this. I have seen spy versus spy, basically yeah. is what I'm thinking. But uh, and I've seen mentions of Budapest. <laughs> so maybe, maybe uh, we'll Budapest, get at least a hint. Budapest a little is a piece. great noodle incident. It's you don't need to explain Budapest. I know, you? but still, you know, a lot of people I want know, just I want know, to see, just because they want to Budapest see it. will probably be in there at some point um, because you also have her earlier encounter mm-hmm. with the Winter Soldier that you could do as well. Right. So you could do, yeah, uh, more than likely, depending on how. Um, uh, Scarlett Johansson feels about it. You could get more than one Black Widow movie. Yeah, and I think I think the biggest the the biggest complaint I have about this is that it didn't happen sooner. Yeah, I you will know? agree with that. I think they. I the, think they, we should have gotten this way before we got Captain Marvel. Mar- I think I think that um, I think if they had sat there and not been afraid, and and DC DC had the same problem, but uh, but if they had not been afraid of the Supergirl curse. <laughs> the non-existent Supergirl cars, um, they would have done this five years ago. I think... They should have done it five years ago. They should have. I'm happy they're doing it. I'm happy they're doing it. Yeah. I'm also happy that we're actually getting um, the... Uh, it's not going to, again, not a straight adaptation, but uh, the next Thor movie is going to have Jane Foster's Thor, which this yeah. was actually a pretty, a pretty acclaimed run in the comics. It's, it's got a lot well, of positive feedback. Yes and no. There are a lot of people that like it. There are a lot of people that think that it's dumb. Um, there are there are mixed reactions, like anything else. There are mixed reactions, and of course, there is a division in the camps between the people that read and understand this is a comic story thread that mm-hmm. they're picking up for the movie, and then you've got the other people that are just reacting oh they're making thor a girl and yeah. you know that whole that whole gender bend so yeah thing, spo- so but. spoiler alert for the comic book at that there came a point where um 
Thor lost the ability to weld. Actually, it's happened more than once. Sure. He's he's lost the ability to, to weld the hammer. And um, and Jane Foster ended up getting cancer. And she had the opportunity to become, for a time, Thor. And but she was but Jane while she was Thor, Jane Foster was still dying. Well, I've I've read that while she was Thor, she she didn't have cancer, and when she but what she would no back, yeah but she, okay yeah, she so had cancer again and it was the, distinction, the distinction between Jane Jane Foster and Thor and yeah. and in the early days of the Thor comic there was a distinction between his human self yes and Thor it's like it's like uh, it's like Bruce Banner and the Hulk right completely Where different entities these things have melded for Thor over time. Um, and so, but Jane Foster was two, dis- I mean, two distinct aspects of the same person, uh, her version of Thor. And then now she is in the comics, she is the new Valkyrie. Yeah. And so, um, they've done some interesting things with a character who, who honestly, in the course of the Thor comics, um, they didn't do a lot with her for a long, long time. And so the, a lot of people were kind of, you know, kind of surprised how well they actually managed to make a character who was essentially Thor's a girlfriend into a character that was actually like, oh. And actually, apparently, uh, from a lot of the things that I've seen, and I have not read this series. I'm not, I, can't, I can't speak for personal experience about how good this actually was. But a lot of the feedback that I've seen is that it was a very well-written series that came to an end in a logical way. Because yeah. the, the plan was never to have Jane Foster always be Thor. Thor was always going to get Thor's hammer back. Sure. But well, Jane, like he does. Yeah. But the other, the other complaint that I've been seeing is... Um, why, why does Jane Foster get Mjolnir before we see Beta Ray Bill? And, and I, have, two, I have I have a very simple answer for that. And two, why bring Natalie Portman back when she dem- has demonstrated a contempt for the movies, and it has been reported that she was not happy on either set on either project, Thor one or Thor two. And the stuff that we saw in Avengers Endgame was previously shot used footage in Thor The Dark World. She came in and recorded some new dialogue. Or she, or she and you know what, maybe she changed her mind. Maybe it was, maybe it was working with those particular directors. Maybe there was stuff going on in her personal life. There's a lot of different reasons these things can happen. I'm not worried about that. Well, I don't care. But the, I just don't care. But it, play, it plays to the narrative that you have this ungrateful actor and now, now that she gets to be the star and gets to be well, Thor, she's now not, she comes She's back. not going to be the star. She's going to be a star in the films. Now, as for the Beta Ray Bill thing, you have that opportunity now. But before Thor went out into space and got to play around in space, the cosmic side of things, now that, that Marvel is embracing the cosmic side of things, right. this is where you can bring in some of those alien creatures. This is where you get a good Silver Surfer movie. This is where you get, get Beta Ray Bill. Except the problem with Beta Ray Bill is, um, well, I don't know if it's necessarily a problem. Beta Ray Bill was actually fairly controversial at the time. Because he was somebody else who, you know, now he's Thor. It's like, What? Yeah. So again, this is it. the controversy over who wields the hammer. Not new. Um, personally, I think that you know I don't. You know, 
actors are actors. They they like some shoots. They don't like some shoots. They somebody comes to you with a great deal and says, "Hey, we want to do this with it, and we want you to do it." And you're like, "Ah, oh, sure, why not?" And they or they sit there and go, "We're going to give you this basket full of money." And you say, "What a lovely basket full of money!" Sure, I'll come play in your sandbox again. Yeah, that's that's you know. probably what it is. And honestly, you know, I don't care. I mean, I, I honestly don't care why somebody does or doesn't want to do a project. It, are, is your performance any good? You know, and quite frankly, if uh, Natalie Portman can sit there and, and you know be an adaptation, because again, the, more, the the MCU does not do straight adaptations of the comic material; they do right. variants of them. If they can do a, a cool story, um, and you know, come on, Chris Hemsworth's face when he sees her with the hammer is going to be gold. I mean, it's just going to be. <laughs> It's going to be one of those scenes in the in a film where he's going to be like, it's going to be, you know, the Captain America scene all over again where he picks up the hammer. Spoiler alert for Avengers Endgame. Yeah, but his reaction to that is... Oh, I know, but it's going to be on the same level of audience reaction, whatever it is. It's going to be that kind of reaction in the theater. So what do you think of the, of the uh, team up of Doctor Strange and uh, Scarlet Witch? And Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. I am more fascinated with the idea that they are talking about this as being Marvel's horror movie. Yeah. Which actually, if Doctor Strange is a really good character to do this with, if you're, and this is what this is what I, why I was actually excited for a little while with the New Mutants movie. Because there was a lot of horror elements in the comic run back when yeah. the New Mutants were a thing, <laughs> 1980s. Um, Has that movie come out yet? No. Is it still? It's still not. It out. may I don't think never it's come out. out. And the yeah. thing is, even if it does come out, it's going to go straight to video or straight to video, video, video on demand. And unfortunately, it might be a good film, but we're it, You're never going to know. We're, or it, if it comes out, it's going to go so far under the radar that even if it is a good film, no one's going to care. Um, so I was excited about that because you could have done that with those characters, especially it looked like they were using the original New Mutant characters from the from the or at least of most of the ones from the from the original comics run. Doctor Strange is, you know, several of his big enemies are essentially demons, yeah, and alternate dimensions that are basically hell. And I mean, so this is a place you could do have fun. You could do you could go really dark, and it would fit with Doctor Strange. Would you could get you, away with it. Would you expect them to take Wanda into her evil villain? Let's kill everybody phase. See, here's the problem with doing that, in my opinion. And you can argue because you haven't the, introduced the mutants yet. You haven't introduced the mutants, but you also haven't broken down. The, the comic writers did not treat Wanda kindly for a long time. Same thing with same thing with Captain Marvel. Yeah, um, they try very very hard not to discuss the pregnancy thing with Captain Marvel because uh, talk about uh, fan backlash. Uh, and this was back again back in the eighties. Um, Wanda was treated very very poorly. Uh, she was kind of the I believe the phrase is butt monkey. Um, which is a phrase you're very rarely going to hear me say on this show. Uh, but they treated the character so poorly, they broke her down again and again and again. So finally when we had it, we've had it at various points where, where she's just gone berserk. She's lost her mind and done, you know, earth-shattering, earth, you know, reality-warping things on planet-wide scales. Um, 
we haven't got to that point. So making her evil now would feel a little bit like how Marvel, com the the Son uh, Sony Paramount, who the hell has uh, the X Men franchise or had Fox? Fox, thank you. Um, how Fox completely mangled the Phoenix yeah. concept. They never they never built it up to the point where. This is this is a tragedy. This is a, a horrible thing, and and it's scary. They well, sat there and went, "Let's get to the Phoenix now." It's like, no, right? You got to build. Is there a possibility? Because I've heard now the description of WandaVision, which is the TV show that's going mm -hmm. to Disney Plus. Terrible title. Has has um, Wanda and Vision and an adult Monica Rambeau. Which we saw as right. a child in uh -huh. Captain Marvel. Yeah. And it's set in the 50s. Gotta be so time travel. It, there's gotta be time travel. and, and the Either that or it's a, another timeline. The theory that I'm hearing is that Wanda is, is trying to go back and forth and, and get a life where she has a life with Vision... So either there's time travel, or there's either I'm I'm using my power to warp. The okay, so if you could, if, if you, that if that feeds into if that feeds into the Doctor multi, Strange, multi yeah, yeah, yeah. Of madness, that, I'm I am I think that would be an interesting. Maybe she goes crazy in the series, and we pick up from that in Doctor Strange. I think that would be an interesting way to do it. Although Marvel has done a pretty. There's been a pretty much a firewall in between their televised things, and I know they're I know that they're breaking that down with using these character, moving some of these characters to TV, mm -hmm. but they've also, you know, up until this point, have had this firewall in between their TV creations and the movie creations, right. and in ways that I think have not been beneficial to either. No, and I think Loki is set in the seventies. They just they I just want to wear. I could be wrong. They well, Loki. They just want to do bell bottoms. And yeah, it's, it's funny because we went to uh, we went to a oh, concert no. last night. It was a rock and roll tribute concert. Yeah. Uh -huh. So you had the bands, the the tribute bands. Sure. But the thing about tribute bands is that they go they go full out mm -hmm, right, and yeah. look the part, not mm -hmm. just sing the songs and play the music and whatever, but they actually dress and, and act the part. Well, we got to the ACDC tribute band, which is KCDC. They're a Kansas City group. But of course they are. And they've got a cool logo. And I'm already thinking, okay, that that would be an interesting logo treatment for our logo. How do I do that? Hey, what do we do this? <laughs> so I'm thinking that. And of course, Mindy looks over and she says, this is kind of a cool logo. I said, I've already thought about it. I've already thought about it. But we're watching KCDC doing ACDC stuff. And the way they, the way they did it... Um, you know, at one point, ACDC had a lead singer uh, who passed away. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I think Angus, Angus came yeah. in and was mm -hmm. the lead singer after that. So what they did is they is they went up and they did they did the early block songs with the one lead singer. Right. And then um, the transition was Hell's Bells. So all of the, all of the lights went out. And the bell tolled, yeah. and the bell, because now now the lead singer is dead. Right, sure. And so you come out with Angus and do that. But he was wearing the bell the flared bell-bottom sure. pants. And she looks, she says, that could be a good look for you. I was like, no, 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 no it's not a good look for me. That's not, we're not going to have those. I still, have I still those. maintain, uh, I got to see Three Dog Night. Um, and for those of you who do not know who that is, you're clearly not 
as old as I am. Um, but they toured with the Beach Boys. Again, I'm dating oh, myself yeah. here. Uh, this was actually the 90s that mm. they were touring with the Beach Boys. And um, the Beach Boys did their whole thing. You know, they were they, you, you know, very much a Beach Boys show. Three Dog Night opened for them. And the Three Dog Night guys, who at that point were probably in their 50s, yeah. um, came out on stage in blue jeans, T-shirts, just played a great show. I mean, just phenomenal. Their voices are just strong. They're talented guys. Did a really, really amazing show. And Three Dog Night's got some fantastic songs. And then they left. They did, they, they did their thing. A third of the audience left with them. Really? A third of the audience came to see, just came to see Third Dog Night. I thought it was fantastic. Um, and they, honestly, the Beach Boys did a great show, if you're a fan of the Beach Boys, and I certainly appreciate their music. But honestly, of the two, Third Dog Night was better. I, uh, we got a chance to see here not too, uh, just a few weeks ago, um, Santana mm. and the Doobie Brothers. Ooh. Yeah, the Doobie Brothers opened for Santana. Well, okay, but now Santana is a bigger draw. Right. But, sure. But At the that, time, Doobie Brothers would have been, you know. Well, and, and I think three of the original group, three, three of the original members are still there. Yeah. And they came out and they played their set. And not quite as strong a performance as I would have expected. Mm. But, you know, they're getting on an age. Sure, and, and yeah. Whatever. And... Then Santana comes out and his band, his performers, that group, and he's 71, 72, something like that. They didn't stop at all. Yeah. The entire, whatever, hour set from Santana was... One song rolls into the next song, rolls into the next song, rolls into the next song, rolls into the next, 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 and they never stopped. I think, I think honestly, he's one of those performers. I think that if playing keeps him young, I mean, it's a, he will he will stop when his hands sit there and go. He's not working can't anymore. Do it anymore. Yeah, yeah. That, that that'll be the only point where he stops. But his his stamina mm. during during a performance now granted he's not playing the entire time sure right the yeah. whole band is playing the entire time you know, this performance is going on but I'm sitting here thinking I'm I'm not quite 50 yet and I I couldn't do that I would not be able to do that and I think about all of the different things that we do here and all of the things that I'm responsible for as far as all of the different shows and try to, trying to wrangle all the articles and this, that, sure. and the other thing. I'm like, I just don't have enough time during the day. And then I sit there and I see him do that <laughs> and I'm kicking myself thinking, you know, I could probably do more. But when would I do it? Yeah, you know, well, I, yeah. Bear, bear in mind, his, his job involves, you know, one show a night. I know, but there's rehearsals and there's practice. Oh, sure. I mean, you've got to practice that stuff. You can't well, I think, just go I think, out there and um, just do it. There's been more than one comedian who's gone on and talked about how you know, you know, somebody. Oh, I, uh, uh, Jimmy Carr. He's an English comedian, and his his stuff. His stuff is his his performance is controversial. You might like it. You might not. Personally, he, I, I think he's I think he's funny, but he's also. I have a warped sense of humor sometimes. Anyway, um, shocked. He's been shocked. I am. He's been called the hardest working man in comedy. And that's by British audiences. Oh, like, I've heard of this. There are, there are American audiences who would, American comedians who would disagree, of course. Um, and he, he was interviewed, and they asked him about that. And he goes, "You have to bear in mind, he goes, 
I do, I work for like four hours a day. He's like, that's what hardest working in comedy means. He goes, you know, because he, he hosts like two different TV shows. He tours a lot. He spends like 200 days of the year touring. Right. And, and he goes, but I work for like four hours a day. Right. Hardest working is, you know, a scale. Well, and I keep thinking about, um, because we do Good Morning Multiverse, mm -hmm. and the prep that I do for that is, okay, Saturday morning, I'm going through all of my emails, I'm going through all the alerts, I look at all of the different websites, and I'm collecting news, and I'm making my notes. Right. And, and in, a in a time period of about maybe two and a half hours, I've put together all of the stories that we're going to run for, this, for, the, for that hour, for that mm -hmm. show. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, you know, it could be more. There sure. could be more stories. And, you know, I sit and I think about uh, the possibility of doing something every day. What kind of time would be involved in doing something? Right, like that? Yeah. What would you put together and what would that show look like? Because I would not mind doing a live radio, live talk show. Mm-hmm. Um, now I do kind of kind of that thing on Sunday nights with pineapple, but it's not really it's not a call-in show. It's not a radio show. It's just right. me sitting and I eat pineapple and I just ramble. Mm -hmm. That's that's nothing, you know. And um, the amount of time I think about Sean Hannity, for example, where he does a three-hour radio show in the, in the day, and then he's got a show on at night on TV, mm -hmm. and the kind of prep that has to go into doing that sort of thing. Now, sure, he can recycle some of that material from one show to the next, but Limbaugh doesn't have a TV show. You know, Glenn Beck is only doing radio; he's not doing TV. You know, yeah, there, you think about all of these all of these talk show hosts. And the kind of work that goes into prepping those shows, and I sit there and I think about all of the work that I do on on what we've done so far, mm. and I'm like, I don't know that I could do anymore. <laughs> it's you know, it's just not without help. I mean, we've got sure, three interns, and that's that's easing the load. But everybody who does everybody who does the kind of uh, uh, you know. Well, even even if you're doing a single hour a night, you look at you look at the, the the shows that are just a single hour a night of television or a single radio show, single hour, multi hour, several hour shows on the radio. They all have staffs yes. who are whose whose job it is to be there when the person who's the face of that, whether it's uh, you know it, 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 whoever the face is. They they have a lot of people who bring them the distillation, mm -hmm. you know. Here's here's your points. Here's yeah. your stories yeah. that you're talking about. Here's whether it's it's a comedy show or a politics show or just a news show or a show about music or a show about film or a show about anything. They have these you know. There's a lot of people behind that one person whose now, face is out there. Yeah, and we have a prep sheet for Good Morning Multiverse where you know we're you know two or three of us are dumping links onto mm. a document and saying, okay, here's all the news of the week. And then I go through and I and I pull out and I go through and make my notes and whatever. Sure. Um, it's funny, I heard I actually heard Limbaugh talk about his process one time where he's, he said that at night when he's going through all of the news items, he'll send stuff to the printer at work. And so this stuff will be sitting and waiting for him when he gets into the studio the next day. But he'll only print the first page 
of everything that he's going through that he decides is relevant that he's going to talk about. And he said he'll, he'll easily do maybe 200 pages of material in his, what he calls his stack of stuff. 200 pages. We're like, I don't have that much paper. No. I, can't, I can't do that kind of thing. Yeah, That's he, a lot of prep. He's got a bigger budget. Well, he does. He's got a much bigger budget. Speaking of budgets, you know, we are monetized. Yes. We do have, uh, we do have ways that people can, can, uh, can support us here. Subscribestar is uh is one way that you can do it um dc mm-hmm. you mentioned earlier about the division between marvel's tv and marvel's movies right and how that's not necessarily a good thing dc i think is about to Kind of maybe cross the line a little bit. If if what we're hearing about crisis, I is I hear, the I case. Hear, okay, so this is this is uh, yes. This is rumor. We're getting back to San Diego. I this honest. is rumor. <laughs> this is rumor. Well, it's all of a piece. I mean, I, we, I, we, we're we're taking we're taking the long we're, way, the long way around. Rambling. So so the rumor out of San Diego, we've got Crisis on Infinite Earths. So it's going to be this big, the big crossover for five the nights. CWs. I think five I, nights, six I think, nights, I think something like that. And it's going to involve, so essentially two feature films worth of material. Yeah, it's going to be Arrow and Supergirl and Flash, and I don't know that Legends of Tomorrow was involved. Batwoman, not Bat- Bla- Black Lightning is not involved. But no, you've but got uh, at least five, four shows. But it wouldn't, su- it wouldn't surprise me if they made appearances. Yeah. And, of course, this is going to be the final season of Arrow. Mm-hmm. So this, the... Batwoman the, is really spinning out of this. Well, Batwoman is spinning out of Crisis on Earth X, which was the crossover this past season. Yeah, but I think that I think the, the, the season actually comes out... Does the season actually come out after Crisis? No, I thought, she's... Uh, she's okay, yeah, her okay. show's coming out right, at the I, beginning was, of everything. Somehow I thought it was... It was I think it was, Legends is going to be... Afterwards, oh, okay, okay. but I, 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 I don't have that. For, I right. don't have that for sure. Okay. So what we what we know is that the Arrowverse is adapting Crisis on Infinite Earths. Mm-hmm. We also know that Brandon Routh is going to play Superman. Apparently, the Kingdom Come Superman. From what I've, that's okay. one rumor I've heard. That okay? There is a website out there. Cosmicbooknews.com, which is saying Brandon Roth is going to play the Kingdom Come Superman. And of course, other people have picked this up and say, what actually happened as I read it, as I understand it, what happened was when they were coming out and they were talking about the big crossover, and they announced officially at the panel that Brandon Roth was going to play Superman again Mm -hmm. as part of the credit. Now, Tyler Hecklin is also playing Superman. Right. But Brandon Routh is going to play Superman. And the the conversation went into the costume. Mm. Because apparently, for whatever reason, it was stated that they weren't going to be able to use the Superman Returns costume that Brandon Routh had. Okay. At which point, Brandon Routh opened his shirt to reveal that he's wearing a Kingdom Come Superman ah, shield okay. on his shirt. Don't, and so everybody, everybody read into blew it. their right. minds and just blew up. Because no one could just be wearing a Superman t-shirt. Right. So the assumption right, right, is right. he's playing Kingdom Come Superman. Then Alex Ross gets into it. 
Alex Ross, very, very popular, very well-known artist mm -hmm. who does incredible work. Amazing, yeah, beautiful, beautiful work. So he does a sketch of Brandon Routh as Kingdom Come Superman. Because remember, Alex Ross was the artist on Kingdom Come right, yeah. that was written by Mark Wade before Mark Wade went crazy. And you have now this next piece of the rumor mill thing. Right. And now you've got Brandon Routh himself posting on the internet, posting on Instagram. You know, he's starting to work out to get, you know, to build up again to play Superman in the suit. And of course, hashtag Kingdom Come is on his right, right. thing. So, you play it so you're, you're playing with it. I don't know that he'll play Kingdom Come Superman. No, actually, I, I'd heard, and this is, uh, I haven't. There's a, there's a gap in my in my timeline on, on on following up on some of these things. Did I see somewhere that they said Tom Welling was actually going to make an well, appearance? Cosmic Book News, same place, <laughs> same okay. place. They right. say they claim that they have an insider that's telling them. So take this with a bag of salt. There they have somebody that apparently is telling them that there are talks. Mm. There is interest in getting Tom Welling to come back, come back, to play Superman. See, I would see him, and I would see him more as the Kingdom Come Superman than Brandon Routh. Well, Brandon Routh is older. Yeah, but Brandon Routh doesn't. But if you're going to do that, you make Dean Cain the Kingdom Come Superman. Because now, remember, Brandon Routh is Ray Palmer, the Adam on Legends of Tomorrow. And yes, Dean Cain plays uh, Danvers over on you know Supergirl's adoptive father over mm -hmm. on Supergirl, but he's not a regular, right? Yeah, and he he's played Superman before, mm -hmm. and he's older than all of them, so yeah. he could conceivably do that. I'd be fine but with that too. If you're going to do Brandon Routh as Kingdom Come Superman, mm -hmm. the way you do that is uh, uh, what could make it work. I'll say it that way. If they actually bring back Linda Carter as Wonder Woman, which See, is the other rumor. That's the other rumor, yeah. And this is the same source telling Cosmic okay, Book yeah, News okay. that they want Tom Welling and Linda this Carter is, to This come is out. all great and wonderful and be fantastic if it happened. But we do have confirmation on another piece of casting for this. Burt Ward. Yeah. Burt Ward is going to come back and reprise his role as Batman 66 Robin, mm -hmm. Dick Grayson, from Batman 66. Now, the, the, what we've heard is that his, in his universe, Batman is dead because Adam West is dead. They're not right. going to recast that character. Sure, no, of course not. And, of course, Burt Ward's not going to put on the tights, but Burt Ward is going to be Dick Grayson. From Batman 66. And the, again, consider your source. Cosmic Book News is not the most reliable. We got it covered is another. We got this covered or whatever. They're, they're, they're not the best sources for all of this stuff. But and, it's, I'm and, also, and, it's, and it's perfectly fine to report rumors as long as you make it clear. Right. This is a rumor. But I'm also seeing that you know, rumblings that they would like to break down the barriers with the DCEU, the cinematic mm -hmm. universe that currently is existing. Right. So what that looks like, who knows? But well, see, the thing about it is, the, the problem with that is money. If you're going to try to get somebody like Ray Fisher or Gal Gadot or H Henry Cavill or any of those guys, 
then you're going to be spending a big chunk of change. Or you put it into their contract. You say you're doing X number of films and two TV appearances. It's just part of your contract. Could be. And honestly, if, if, if you're going to do it, and, and dear Warner Brothers, <laughs> the check can be sent to... Uh, if you're going to do it that way, it's a, I think it's a good idea if you're going to cross-platform, especially if you're going to have something. If you are going to do what these guys are doing, whether it's Marvel or DC, you're looking at multiple platforms for your your moving picture content. Yes, and TV I'm also and, and crossing the, over with uh, the the DC Universe stuff. So like Doom Patrol, Titans, yeah. that group. You should, you should and, and, and really dive into it and embrace it. And honestly, make it cross the board. Have Constantine, John Constantine, show up in a horror movie, <laughs> DC horror movie, bring back Swamp Thing on, on, a, on a feature film budget, and then turn around and have John show back up on, on, you know, Legends of Tomorrow, and then have Bat, you know, have have Wonder Woman uh, go to Gotham City and have coffee with Batwoman, and I mean, literally do this stuff so that you're actually getting people to look at your content mm -hmm. in more than one. You want them watching your TV show, especially if you're doing a streaming service that you're charging them for. Yeah. So you bring the content from the movie universe into that and vice versa. You cross-pollinate and you actually make a... And you can even do it with a multiverse. And DC... <clears throat> dear Warner Brothers, <laughs> the check can be sent to... Um, I got all kinds of... I, I'll be happy to help you fix this. Um, because there's just... There's ways to do this that, and we're and if, if they're doing this with crisis, if they're willing to do this, I think it's they should grab hold of it and run. Yeah, it's well, it sounds like that's what they're doing. And but you know what would what what would be the capstone on this? Because if they're talking about you know, because they're pulling they're pulling Brandon Routh from the movies now. Granted, he's already in there. Yeah, right. Yeah. So it's easier. Mm -hmm. But if they're going to do the big multiverse. Mm -hmm. This is the opportunity to bring in and do Batman Beyond. To do Batman Beyond, to pull in the Aquaman from what's the what's the TV show about the actors, um, where Aquaman was one of the characters got cast as Aquaman. There was a TV show about a bunch of actors in L.A., and one of the characters got cast in the Aquaman movie, and so the Aquaman movie actually became a thing on uh, this and entourage. Entourage. There, oh. somebody. I, I saw somebody joke in a comment about bringing that Aquaman into the, the <laughs> and I was just like, "Do it, do it now! Pull I and mean, just completely go nuts!" Because I mean, it's a, this is the place to do it. Well, go nuts with see, this. And, and the other that would thing, be hysterical. the other thing you do is you you bring in Kevin Conroy. Oh yeah, not as an animated as character. Batman. Well, he could play. A no, character, a but it could be a you put him in a Batman suit. Cameo. Put him in a Batman suit. <laughs> but see, if you do Batman Beyond, this is how you get Michael Keaton back. Uh, yes, as Bruce Wayne. Yes, I am on board with this. And then Robert Pattinson could be Terry McGinnis and not Bruce Wayne. It's a fake out. The next now, Batman movie from Matt Reeves. Now I'll be honest. <laughs> I like that casting. I have no issues with the Patterson being Batman because I've seen some of his later work. I'm not a Twilight fan, but if you look at the stuff he's done like in the last five, ten years, yeah. since the Twilight stuff, he's a really good actor, if, especially if you give him some like material to play with. Uh, but, hmm, I want a Batman Beyond series. 
and I have for a long time. So. I would it's love great, to have a Batman great Beyond series. series. I think it would be great, and I think you know because you've seen the memes where uh, they've got you know the the Batman Beyond. They've got a still from the show, mm-hmm. which is an animated show, and they put Michael Keaton up oh, next yeah. to to Bruce Wayne, and Michael Keaton is of an age now oh, yeah. where he could do it, and we've seen it now with Birdman. Mm-hmm. What? Old, bitter, grumpy, washed out Bruce Wayne would be like. He's yeah. played that character. Mm-hmm. Now let's put him in and give him the Batcave and and let's let's have a live action Batman Beyond. That'd be fantastic. I'm on board. Dear DC. Yes, no <laughs> kidding, right? Send the check too. Now um, uh, the other stuff that uh, that's come out of will will shift over away from from Marvel and DC for a minute. Star Trek Picard. We talked yeah. about this last week. We talked about Picard. The trailer. Uh, the trailer looks great. It does. I'm, I'm, okay. So who do I'm you excited think? Excited about this. Who do you think? Brent Spiner. I mean, they've said he's playing Data. Right. How do you think they're bringing Data back? I my personal pet theory right now, and I, uh, this to me is a way that you could do it, have the character be present, but also be bear in the fact that it's what we saw in that trailer was clearly a CGI Brent Spiner. Yeah. Um, my thought is is that Data is a program in a holodeck, and it might actually be Data, it might actually be Data's consciousness. Um, because, or, or at least, because uh, I think I think it's Picard visiting the idea of his friend. Right. I think that's what we're seeing here. Um, the reality is, of course, is that Brent Spiner is like everybody else. He's gotten older. Data doesn't age, though. Right. And while there have been various ways of dealing with the concept of Data looking older, Data's making himself look older to fit in with the, his friends who are getting older. That sort of thing. Sure. Um, I think that. There's a certain amount of you know we're we're seeing a bot we're seeing pieces of a body in a drawer. It's a little grim, um, and just that whole that whole line where like, I don't want the game to end. That feels like Picard playing a memory, and the last shot of the TV show was Picard sitting down at the poker game. Right. So I think that the, I th- I, that's that's my feeling. Um, I will be happy to be wrong if they find a better way to to, to do it and get more data in the show. Well, but I'm I'm just loving the fact they. They have confounded us. I mean, seven of nine. Mm-hmm. Where did that come from? I was just like, okay, yep. You've intrigued me. Tell me more. Well, and what's funny Hugh is we don't back? see we don't see Hugh in the trailer. Right. We know that Hugh is playing a fairly significant role in this. Right. We don't know who this girl is. I really hope she's not a Mary Sue. I suspect that she is a. My pet theory is that she is a child of Hugh's collective. And that there's something about her that has makes her extremely, either extremely interesting to the Borg themselves mm-hmm. or to the Romulans who are doing some Borg-heavy experiments. Dear Romulan Empire, Borg-heavy experiments are a bad idea. But dear, what's left of the Romulan Empire, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. But it, that's, I mean, there's, we, there's, what I'm picking up from that, and that's my thought, is that she's probably... She could literally be Hugh's daughter or a child of the collect of his his free collective, and you know I think that I think that she's going to be a target. I think she's probably a target of the Romulans. But I didn't this. see any Borg technology on her. I mean, we saw Annika a, Hansen we saw is still a, wearing her implant. We saw a wound on her head. 
and not all Borg implants necessarily have to be visible. That's true, but or, the visual shortcut or is below, yeah, visual shortcut. But the thing is, Borg, you, she takes, but something. she she takes off her she takes off her shirt and you know takes off her jacket or whatever, and on her back you see, you know. Stuff winding up her back, like uh, you know, something from Battlestar Galactica with its spine thing. I mean, you could do that. I, this is, again, yeah. this is just my personal pet theory right now. Right. We're operating on very little information, um, but I was—I thought the trailer looked great, and and hearing that we're getting uh, uh, Riker and Troy back, yep, in some manner, and and uh, more than likely they're going to be on the USS Titan, like they have been. Actually, Jonathan Frakes has. I can't remember. He uh, he was interviewed, and I can't remember where the interview. Where I saw the interview. Um, he said that they are not in a military setting, which is well interesting. That could mean we come visit you on shore leave. It could be, or it could be they've retired. Uh, I mean, it, there's a could lot of be. there's, yeah, there's it things be. it could be, but they Picard, could still be assigned to the Titan, and sure. just we just don't see them on the Titan. Well, or they could, or they may not be on the Titan. They may have, they may have decided to go on be on a science ship as opposed to a military vessel. But the Titan was an exploratory vessel. Anyway. There's different ways. I mean, there's yeah. all sorts of things they could do with this. Yeah. Um, and I think what what we have to bear in mind is that as excited as we are, and as as a- much action stuff there was in the trailer, they have emphasized again and again and again. That this is a much more philosophical show, sure. Than than you might be expecting from a Star Trek show, yeah. um, which. But I don't know the trailer looked fantastic. I was, I was very very impressed, and I was very surprised. And I thought the fight scenes looked great. What little we got of them, yeah. Um, and I think that uh, I wanted more shots of the of the current Federation uniforms. The Starfleet uniforms. I want more shots those of that. Look, I'm like, those look interesting. What are, what are, now, what, what I'm wondering like? though is how they're going to how they're going to juxtapose that with the animated stuff. Because you've got two animated things. One of them is going to be aimed toward a younger demographic mm-hmm. kids. You know, right. The, you know, thirteen ish. Sure. Um, and then you're going to have the older. You know, we were talking about with with the Harley Quinn right. cartoon. Now you're going to have a Star Trek cartoon. From the guys who make Rick and Morty. Now, the, they have consistent, they, they, and they've been talking about this a lot, they talked about it at San Diego, that they want to make sure that people understand that they are not going to, they're not bashing Star Trek. They're not, this is not a, they're going it's to find... It's a comedy, not a parody. Right. They're going right. to find the humor in the people who aren't the headliners. Right. And that the, and that the bridge crew of this show think that they're the main characters. That they're, you know, they're basically not rec- the. There has been more than one way of looking at some of these humor ideas, where basically it's like you know the, the, Kirk and Spock and McCoy, they, you know, they know they're the heroes of the story, you know. You see all the memes with the with the red shirts. It's like Kirk going, you know. Dick Tree Graves over there. Exactly. I'll tell you why later. Sir, we're scared. You're scared. I could beam back up alone. Yeah. You know, um, and so there's this sort of like, you know, the humor of the, I'm the main character, right? Nothing can happen to me. Right. And so there's like, you know, playing with the idea that these, you know, where when we see the bridge crew, they're going to be having these adventures and be heroes. And then the, the people who are like, again, loading, loading the replicate, the food replicator, you know, so yeah. that you can have a banana. Uh, <laughs> I think I just, there's potential here. I'm, I'm, I want to, I want to see an actual trailer for this. I want to see like, you know, 
Um, what I'm wondering is if they're going to do it like um, Venture Brothers or or Rick and Morty or you know something where the humor gets um, the thing too, about too close to the I, skates I, too too far to the edge. I would edge. suspect not because Venture Brothers is a deliberate attempt to lampoon to mock in a very in, in an oddly affectionate way. But it's it's deliberately targeted at that particular kind of animation with Johnny Quest and that sort of thing, um, and uh, even so, I think in the original episode they killed off Race Bannon, or at least in one of the episodes Race Bannon uh, is, is dies tragically. It's always like oh, poor Race Bannon, um, but it's a deliberate attempt to poke fun of that and and to to mock it in a way, uh, and I think Rick and Morty. Um, is is an inversion of the wise mentor taking the young adventurer on the thing. I mean, it's it's That's Doc and Marty. Yeah, and it's based, but it's you know, it's it's flipped. It's you know, the worst possible person to be your mentor. Exactly. This is operating, and they, everything they've we, they've said is that this is operating within the Star Trek universe and playing fair with the Star Trek rules, but also recognizing that it's a ship of ship of you know hundreds of people, and we spend time with three or eight. And, you know, nobody tells the story. It's the Reg Barkley episodes taken, you know, where, where every sure. episode is about, a, is about a Reg Barkley. Well, and there was an episode called Lower Decks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where we dealt with which uh, is, you know, ensigns. And, which is exactly, I mean, I think which is where this really comes out of is the fact that there's stories to be told there. Um, and what is it? Uh, was it, there was the novel Red Shirts? Was, there was a novel Red Shirts, wasn't yeah, there? Yeah, John Scalzi. John Scalzi, um, which I listened to the audiobook on. And it was uh, it was very funny and very much in the vein of, of you know, it was, well, it was Star Trek in all but name. Right. Um, and except that it was people discovering that, the, you know, the characters discovering that they were in a fictional story. And discovering that, that or at least they're, they were being influenced by fiction. Spoiler alert for a novel and an audiobook. But it was, um, it's the same kind of thing where it's like, well, wait a minute. We're important too, <laughs> and I think it could be fun. I think it could be fun as long I, as as long as they are treating it respectfully. Yeah, and that's and that's the key. Now the costume designs and the and the we've seen some stills. Right. We've seen some, and they, those look fun. I mean, they look. They look I, li- I like the design. The other Star Trek show, mm-hmm. the Orville. <laughs> the other other Star Trek show. The other other Star Trek. Because we know that we know that Discovery is coming back. Um, and they've given us a little bit of information yeah. about the series season. Some short treks that are going to be back. Too. Yeah, and, and including some of the short treks are going to be uh, with uh, uh, Number One and Spock. Yes, <clears throat> and Pike. Pike the, is going to show up in something. The short, the trailer for short treks actually was a lot of fun to watch. <clears throat> and I, part of me just really enjoyed a sort of a young, over eager, over inquisitive Spock, uh, which the trailer shows Spock having lots of questions, and. A captive audience, and I was just like, "Okay, this is funny, but I can kind of see it happening." I I <clears throat> I could see it happening with a younger Spock, not not necessarily the Spock that we're at with that. Well, if he but, were, but but bear if in he mind were the Lieutenant Spock that's just oh, into Star Trek. This, well, it's, it's the thing first is, in Starfleet. Well, and, he's and, not now. And well, but short treks. We saw him where he was in Discovery. This could be an episode set in the past. Oh, that's true. And it, the implication to me, uh, at least actually, and honestly, that's how I, I read it 
when I saw it is like this might be is this Spock's first day on the Enterprise? First day on the Enterprise. Because that would be actually, you know, because yeah. the playing a good you know number one, and you know the the her saying fascinating at the same time. I was just like, first time. Yeah. This could be fun. Um, the Orville is moving to Hulu for their third season, um, which is also controlled by Fox. I mean, it's mm-hmm. also a Fox property, which now means Disney. But the Oroville is... I have not seen season two. Mm. Um, I've heard good things about season two. I've heard very good things about mm-hmm. season two. And a lot of good things about it. I'm, I'm hopeful that it's settled into a little bit less in the crude humor and more into the Star Trek, you know, let's see what's out there stuff. Um, I need to catch up on it. It's something I very much want to watch and, you know, just catch up. But season three is going to be on Hulu. Mm-hmm. Um, it's now got its own comic book yeah, adaptation uh-huh. tie-in. So that's that's a thing now. Um, and for those of you Star Trek fans who are wondering about uh, Orville or Discovery or anything like that, Jonathan Frakes directs for both series, yeah. and he loves them both. So there's there's something to it bear in mind. doesn't necessarily mean that both of them are good. No. But I'm saying that Jonathan, that Jonathan Frakes, who is who is like recognized them. as being an extremely good television and film director, yeah, uh, who is a, a fan favorite and seems to be from everything, from all accounts, a really great guy to work with, um, loves working on both shows and loves both shows himself as a fan. So there you go. Um, I saw a behind-the-scenes interview with some of the cast of Picard, mm-hmm. and they were talking about how. Uh, how Patrick Stewart is on set when Franks is directing he calls him Johnny Johnny what if we did you know the, the, <laughs> so it's it, it'll be interesting to see how those those I would I would be interested to see Roxanne Biggs uh, Roxanne Dawson come in and direct mm. some stuff as well um, we did get news that the Mandalorian is getting a second season mm-hmm. and we haven't even seen the first season yet um, Somebody has apparently. Dis- Disney has not. Disney did not have much of a presence. Mm-hmm. You know, Star Wars did not have much of a presence at San Diego. I imagine D twenty three will get some stuff. Probably. Um, but um, it's 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 one of those things where uh, you hope maybe they get it right this time. Um. Uh, Favreau did an interview and he was talking about getting some advice from George Lucas. Mm-hmm. And he said the main, absolute main thing that you have to remember when it comes to Star Wars is that you are making things for kids who are coming of age. Right. And I think... And this ties into to, to Lucas's uh, view of Star Wars being heavily influenced by the hero's journey and very Joseph Campbell. And, right. And, but to hear it that way, as yeah. opposed to these movies are for kids. It's for kids coming of age. This is a, the, you know, the idea Don't that... Don't you wish George could remember that for the prequels? Well, yeah. <laughs> and a lot of people are sitting there saying, well, where was this, exactly. where was this sentiment back then? <sighs> but, the, you know, you're doing it for kids who are coming of an age and maybe somewhere they don't have the heroes and the examples of what it is to be the good person and mm. and the, the not necessarily a heroic person right but the good guy the the guy wearing the white hat coming mm-hmm. in to help and and save the day and rescue and whatever and that's a 
completely different way of looking at it than just these movies are for kids. Oh yeah. You know, well, and, and, it, that puts the that puts more of the morality play for kids who need to learn the morality play as opposed to well, this is just fluff and it doesn't mean anything. And, well, and I, and I think, think that's that, a good way of looking at I think, it. I think there's some benefit to looking at that. I think, I think we do, need to, of course, remember that you know, you're not going to film, don't go to, to films to find your, your moral compasses. Uh, inter, that's not what entertainment, on a broad scale, on an individual level, it certainly can be. Yeah. There's certainly, you can, you can tell stories like that. And I think that, that there's something to be said for the morality play as, well, a lot of horror films are morality plays. Uh, when you break them down, a lot of science, you know, a lot of Star Trek, uh, the original series was a morality plays. Um, some of some of them were even more overtly morality plays than some others. Of the, some of them needed to, to to go a little more subtle in the morality play. Um, hey guys, you can actually make really really important points like that, but leave the sledgehammer at You're home. Black on one side and white on the other. And, <sighs> yeah. Yeah. The Omega Glory. The Omega Glory. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, no. Patriotism is a beautiful thing, kids, but subtlety is also a useful a useful thing. Um, yeah, Omega Glory and let that be your last battlefield. <laughs> two, two, no, we, su- not subtle. The people, people. Oh, of the United States and our our, oh. our our patterns of force. Patterns. Of, oh yeah. I mean, there's there's some there's some. I give them credit for the the intention. The execution. Although, really, though, the idea of patterns of force is an intriguing notion. What if you have a historian? Mm-hmm. You know, you have this historian, John Gill. He sits there and he sees these sees these people that are so woefully inept and terribly, 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 terribly behind where they should be in terms of development, and you feel for them. Yeah, and, but but the sad thing is, is how much yeah. how much they used a shorthand version of of the the Nazi regime that was is if you think about it for a little bit longer you realize that his whole premise is flawed because well, sure. because the illusion of the Nazi efficiency the illu- was was as much marketing as it was reality well yeah and, and of so, course it's shorthand but it's shorthand it's one it's of where it's but like, it's one of the well, yeah it's just like no. as a historian he should have known better <laughs> he should for a lot of reasons yeah, but he should have but I mean if you're going to pick you know it's it's not you know don't, don't yeah but no it's uh, yes so I'm I, I think I think um, you just have to be careful I mean it's it, you can those, sto- those stories can be told but you just yeah. have to oh for the for Subtlety is a beautiful thing, and sometimes, uh, well, okay, um, Man in the High Castle. Yeah. You're playing in that exact same world. Pretty much the same thing. Um, um, uh, 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 Fatherland. And that's, and that's getting a, another season. Another season. Yeah. Uh, Fatherland, uh, Rucker Howard was in the film version, and the film version is not a very good adaptation of the Jonathan Harris novel. I think it's Jonathan Harris, which is uh, where the, the uh, World War I ended differently. And um, there's very, but but the the Nazis covered up the concentration camps. So no, so and it's a mystery novel about a detective ah. who stumbles across the evidence of the concentration camps and suddenly realizes that the world that that was built 
on on the backs of of all these you know millions of dead of dead Jews is is a lie, mm. and uh, you can do these kinds of stories. Well, and and we're we're going to see should. some of that in Westworld. Yeah, Westworld is going to go there too. Mm-hmm. Now, okay, I think Westworld Westworld can. If they do it right, they've got a pretty decent track record. I think I, I I was not as much. Some people didn't like last season. I thought last season was interesting. Now let me ask. And I was more inter- I, I I like a show that's interesting. Let me ask you this: Do you think that Westworld is going into Nazi territory as a reaction to Trump? I don't know. Because I think, I think Hollywood can, keeps doing this whole you know in the era of Trump. I keep yeah, seeing all and, these and I'll, and I'll be honest, you know, I, 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 and anyone who knows me knows I, I think Trump is a disaster, but. Um, Westworld is an interesting show in that Westworld can be the Nazis make great villains the Nazis are like the Empire right and the Empire of course is based on the sure, Nazis right um, and they're in in many ways the Nazis are a safe they're a safe bad guy for well, yes, we've got we've there there we are we're, and of course this is the wonders of the world where everything is news instantly. We're seeing more neo-Nazis out in the world. They have a voice now. Blah blah blah. Now this but, is this is where this episode gets demonetized. No, no, possibly, <laughs> but but listen listen to what we're saying before you do that. Well, um, it, but 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 it's it's an AI. It's yeah, a robot, dear AI. Yes. Um, call me. We'll talk. Um, the the. There are very few. There, there are gray areas, unfortunately, or fortunately, and fortunately, actually, there's gray areas uh, uh, depending on where you stand. Who the bad guys are, we gen- mo- a significant chunk of the planet is in agreement that the Nazis were bad. You know, I, I think you I, could safely I, I say, say generally, something like that, you know, yeah. the, there, there's a minority out there who seem to seem, seem to feel otherwise, and they're woefully misinformed. But the going to the Nazis. Um, in a story about what it means to be human, and and that's really what a huge chunk of Westworld is about. What it means: Are you human if you were built? Yeah. But you're alive and you're conscious. What? Where is the humanity? And I think it's interesting because, of course, Rucker Howard with Rucker Howard passing away, and looking back, you know, the more human than human, right? And that's kind of the Westworld thing. Yeah. Westworld in many ways uh, thematically is kind of a sequel to Blade Runner in some aspects or a prequel. It's a side quill, right? Yeah. It's playing with some of the same themes and bringing in the Nazis if, and again, I don't know what they're going to do with it but they're actually a pretty decent villain figure for, you know, because of course a lot of the Nazi uh, theology because it was kind of a cult um, was these people are subhuman. Right. And when you actually have people who were built and you actually, I mean, if you do this right, you could have a really fascinating philosophical argument, which Westworld, oddly enough, for a show as violent and as action-packed as Westworld is, there's a whole lot of philosophy that gets fed to you every single episode. Now, if it's done right, yeah, well, and that, now, and that's, that's always that's always have, the case. I have not watched. Well, and I think that's some, that's some, some of the piece people didn't like last season's um, last season as much as the first season because it dealt with 
it took that philosophy lessons and the, and the questions of what it means to be human in a way that I don't think people were expecting. Yeah. I had no... I kept waiting for I kept waiting for something that didn't happen. Personally, I'm not going to tell you what it is since you've seen this season. Um, but I found again, it's it's a show that I don't always think is great, but I always think it's interesting, yeah. and that's a win for me. Well, now one of your favorites, The Expanse, yes. getting, getting another season. Yes, is it? Where is that? Is that Hulu or Amazon? It's Amazon. 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 And and I there's a they, there's a five minute clip out there's not an actual trailer yet but there's a five minute clip well there's not there, there was a little teaser a while back yeah. um, but there's a five minute clip and if you know where they are in the book series it's a wonderful wonderful clip if you don't know where they are in the book series it's a little isolated might, you might not know what's going on but if you're a fan of the books you're going oh they're handling this very well <laughs> and then you're a little worried about what happens next because where they are in the stories. Now, last season, they actually did basically a book and a half. Mm -hmm. And here, they're picking up at the beginning of one of the books. Okay. Now, there's a time jump coming up in the novels that I'm concerned about. If Amazon keeps running the show, and I, I, I hope they do, it's a fantastic show. If you haven't checked out The Expanse, I, it's great science fiction. Um, I mean, it's literally some of the best science fiction on television. And 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 it's not just a Star Trek ripoff. No, no, no. It's or... it's origi it's based on original series of novels. It's a, it's a it's a in, to some degrees it's a first contact story. To some degrees it's space opera. To some degrees it's a story about politics, economics. Um, you mean like trade federations? No. And blockades? No. And well, okay, actually, blockades happen. Yeah. But it's a different kind of thing. And it's got, it's an amazing cast. There's some, um, there's, uh, David Strathairn has been in it, who's mm -hmm. a fantastic actor. We've, big, we're, he's been in a lot of genre shows. I miss Alphas. I do too. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, no, it's, it's great. If you haven't seen it, check it out. And, and check out the books. They're wonderful. Um, and, um, Interestingly enough, talking about, about characters who decide they want to build empires that have a vaguely fascistic, uh, you know, maybe a touch of the Nazi in them, um, there's, there's a, a villain in, in the Expanse books who will tell you um, that he understands the, the methodology, but you're, you're reading his intentions all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but it's played incredibly well. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, I'm so excited about this season. I'm so excited to see it. It's one of the few shows I can sit there and say, "When? When? Now? Is it? Yeah. It's not now." Like, here, take Are that you money. sure it's not now? Where? Um, where do you think? Uh, where? Do you, how, we talk. We touched on this a little bit about uh, Winona Earp mm -hmm. getting a season four. Finally, that yeah. was that was announced at last year's yeah. Comic Con in right. San Diego, and then and we're just now getting them. I follow the, just now I follow the production. cast. I follow the cast on Twitter. Yeah. And one of the, f and and I considering how poorly I get on Twitter or any other social media. I'm so bad at it anymore. You are four years, four years in a driving in a car. Anymore. You've always been bad at it. I used to be better. <laughs> it's a degree of worse. Not by much. It, I used to be before more than any anyway anyway anyway. Um, but I get notifications on my phone, uh -huh. and so I see their notifications. So of course, when the news was announced. My phone blew up with the sure. cast of, oh, sure. and I was so excited to see that. By the, the way, I have sent an email to Emily Andres, 
mm -hmm. to to see if we could get an interview with her for Good Morning Multiverse, and I have not heard back yet. So I'm putting this out there. Emily Andrus, we'd love sent you an email. Huge fan of the show. Love absolutely love to talk to you about it. That'd yes, be great. We'll send you another note. Um, um, yeah, what, no, what else? What else came out of San Diego? I mean, a lot of it. See, and that's the thing. You know, we talk about the the demise of the comic book industry and all of the comics, all of the comic book publishers wanting to be the next comic book movie. Well, and, and of course, San Diego, of course, has is all Hollywood now. Except a lot of them stepped away or did or did reduced presences. I mean, no. you didn't get you didn't get big trailers or anything. I mean, well, San Diego, uh, Marvel announced uh, the uh, the Eternals series. Which is a bold move for Marvel. Is this in, in print publication? No, the movie. Oh, the movie. The Eternal. Yeah, but, but that's not a that's not a comic book. No, but no. it's been a comic book. Yeah, it's been a comic book. Which, um, but what? I think no, someone, my point. My point was San Diego becoming too much of the of the Hollywood pop culture. Oh yeah. Thing, but I was just going to say that, that most of these folks gone. most of these folks have stepped away for whatever reasons. I think that you know the. Even though I think more people were paying attention to the media news coming mm -hmm. out, they weren't talking, paying attention to the comic book news coming out. Right, it's, um, which was my point. Because we've, we've, we've talked about all of this stuff. Yeah. That's all movies and TV. Um, there wasn't a whole lot as far as comic book. Now, no. Alterna, we, we covered this on Good Morning Multiverse yesterday, uh, uh, Saturday. Um, Alterna Comics, which does newsprint, dollar mm -hmm. uh, fifty right. uh, yeah. single issues. And they've been around for, what, 15 years now. I didn't realize they've been around that long. But they announced Alterna Giants, which are going to be 80-plus pages okay. for four ninety nine. Oh, wow. And you look at what's coming out from DC and Marvel now. 22 pages? 20 pages, 22 pages for three ninety nine and four ninety nine and five ninety nine. Yeah. And Alterna's going to do four ninety nine for 80-plus pages? That's it, it's a game changer. Uh, Peter Semedi over there. I got to give him props. He it's, it, he is he is you know in all of the interactions that I've had with him, and looking at how he deals with people online, mm. he is one of the nicest guys that you will find in comics at this point. And you know, even after the attacks that had him depressed to the point of suicide. Even after getting swatted where the police showed up at his house with guns drawn right. because somebody called, mm -hmm. even after all of that. No excuse for that. No excuse for that. But even after all that, he still, hey, thanks for, thanks for reading my book. Thanks for buying our book. Sure. And that's all he's doing is I just, I just want to sell comics. I think comics are great. I think you ought to enjoy comics. Here, read comics. I, uh, comics I, are, are fun. I wish I, I I I completely understand. I completely understand creators wanting to connect more with their fans, whether whether you're an actor or a writer or an artist or any of those things. But I'm old enough to remember when that was really really hard, and I think. <laughs> We gotta I, go back to that. Well, it, it for for as much as 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 much as there are benefits to it, I think that um, to give to give a lot of creators of whatever whatever political or or whatever stripe you know a large range, pretty much every creator out there, um, the benefit of the doubt 
and just say, you know, if you just if you just didn't have to to hear from people who, for whatever reasons, don't like your stuff, mm-hmm. and and some people might give you constructive criticism, some people might give you absolute say absolutely horrible things to you. You might have a lot more fun doing your own. You're doing working on whatever it is you're working on, and maybe. and and not uh, responding to people online, yeah, because um, that's not helping. <laughs> well, and and right now, right helping. now, you look at you look at where the industry is right now. The money is in the indie, indie stuff. Well, and I think that's interesting because, of course, um, I mean, Doug Tenable just crossed seven hundred and seven hundred fifty thousand dollars on his his Earthworm Jim book. There was an explosion of indie talent, of course, in the eighties. Yeah. And that led to image, and uh, among other things, and there was a there was an explosion of of comics publishers, um, and I think it was you saw a lot of independent talent come out that we may be seeing. I think I think we're seeing uh, another wave of that. I think so. now the concern I have is that the '90s also saw a crash and burn of a significant chunk of those indie. Titles in indie com- or smaller companies. Well, it also saw the demise of Marvel. It, I mean, that Marvel as well. almost went bankrupt. And I think that I think that. And they could almost, and they could very well do that again. Well, we did, Marvel okay, so comics if, could. If well, even even at the point because we talked about this earlier, the possibility of Marvel comics going away completely yeah. as a as a yeah. publishing entity, and we're just going to license Marvel the characters to all these other things. Yeah. So, you know, we could very well be seeing a repeat of the 90s on uh, steroids. Yeah, I think I think that's the, the concern is that if it goes if we do get a repeat, it, the scale is different. Yeah. And the stakes are higher. But the money. I mean, there was a bear in mind there was a time when DC almost bought Marvel. Yeah. We would have gotten our Avengers X-Men our, our, our Avengers uh, Justice League yeah. a lot earlier than we got uh, Amalgam uh, Comics <sighs> I miss Amalgam that was so much fun was there I think somebody did, 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 did didn't did somebody did do a one shot or they did they, no, there's, some, there's something else DC, DC is doing a series of uh, no I think it's Marvel's doing a series of, of blended characters which is with, but it's their own titles I think it's sort of spun out of their uh the 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 last Secret Wars series. Oh, I haven't I haven't heard of it. I think they did something like that. So, um, all right. So what other what other news out of San San Diego, are, is is worth mentioning? Discussing? Probably a lot. We just didn't we uh, we didn't touch on it all on the video game stuff. There wasn't a whole lot. Zant told us about right. that Saturday. Yep. Yep. The uh, the Avengers video game um, footage leaked. Yep. Uh, and. And has already been tweaked. Oh, by the way, there is a there is a Black Widow trailer that's on YouTube that claims to be leaked footage. It's not. It's not. It's a it's a very cleverly edited. Now there is footage. There is leaked footage from the set. No. That's just you know behind the scenes. Somebody's shooting while they shoot some action sequence or something. Right. But. Um, there's no, there's no trailer. There's We're in this weird that. period right now where there's, we're sort of at a lull, for, or a transition period. So like with DC rolling up, Vertigo, but still publishing. You know, having having these new brandings, new mm-hmm. DC Black. Um, interestingly enough, the Sandman universe, Neil Gaiman's Sandman universe, is it still going forward as sure. its own thing? Right. It's a DC title, but it's going to be DC Black Label. 
Um, right. But it's I, I. Or is it its own thing? I think and it's not its own DC. thing. I think it's a DC, but it's this Neil Gaiman Sandman what universe. What are they going to use it under? It's gotta fall. It's gotta fall under Black Label. Um, but it's basically you know it's a Vertigo title that's continuing. Essentially, right. it's a Vertigo title. Yeah. Um, and it's going forward, which is good to hear because. Um, now, and, and this, it's a smaller this title, but I think the, Vertigo the, when it meant something to be a Vertigo title, not well, when not were, the most recent Vertigo, right? Because I think that I think that my my one hope for for DC Black, and we'll see how this plays out. Because I'm always hopeful about these things until you're not. You know, hope hope is a good thing, and just don't don't let it drag on too long when you find out that it's not going to work. Um, is that the point of doing something like Vertigo is to tell the stories that you would want to tell or couldn't tell or or don't fit, right? And so you could do a lot of super stories that weren't superhero stories. Or you could do different right. kinds do of superheroes. Supernatural right, you could do supernatural. You could yeah. do you could yeah. do superhero stories that were were not going to fit in continuity. You know, you could do a sh uh, like the boys. Okay, I mean, I'm not not using the boys specifically, but I mean, the boys is a superhero show set in the world with a superhero universe, but it doesn't fit into the Marvel universe or the DC universe. Right. You know, that's that's what a, a line like Vertigo can be. It can be played a place to experiment, and it should be to play to to, to bend the rules, to push the rules, to do your Elseworlds sure. and your things like that. It's like um, Ultimate Marvel. Yeah. Or or Marvel Max. Or just sit there and go, you know give people like Neil Gaiman a chance to do an 80 issue series right or you know the things like that and and if if that's what black becomes if that's if they if they are smart go back to the original idea of vertigo do you know have have your you know do your your alternate universe stuff there do your give some give the next Neil Gaiman a place to to play yeah give uh, give someone you know give, give me another 100 bullets Give me a give give me a prestige TV series of hundred bullets. Yeah, uh, but we don't. But at what point? At what point do we get tired of adaptations and reboots and sequels and remakes? And give us why? Why are we constantly? And this is. This is something that we're going to talk about on another show because this is a whole other conversation. Right, yeah. The idea that everything old is new again. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. we're, we're circling back to Picard. We're, we're Toy Story 4. Um, we're getting a new Blade reboot um, as part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which uh, it makes sense. It's about sure, time right. we're uh -huh. going to do that. Um, and I think now that you've got, was it Mor Morbius? Sony, right, yeah. right. Now you can get into the vampires and the and the werewolves and the sure, and the right. occult and that mm -hmm. that stuff. We're in the, we're in the phase of the Marvel universe that you might as well. You, yeah, sure. Anything goes now. Mm -hmm. So cosmic um, and horror, knock it out. But you know, somebody somebody even even posted you know the the movie marquee where you've got Toy Story and Godzilla and and all this is we're back in the nineties, and it really does feel like that's where we are. We're back in the nineties because. We're getting just yeah, but also bear in mind of everything. Bear in mind that a lot of those films from the '90s weren't very good. 
No, but the concepts and the well, ideas. Well, but I sure, mean, but I mean, if you, why if can't we do something original? But the thing is, is because that we the bottom's well, gonna fall out of this at some point. But we do, but I mean, but also Aladdin, a live action Aladdin. Yeah, great. It crossed a billion dollars. It was completely unnecessary. Well, I I. Do not disagree with that. I'm, live action. What are they doing next? Live action. Well, there's Melissa Maleficent Maleficent two. Maleficent two. But they're also doing what's what's the next live action? Aladdin. Disney, or, uh, Aladdin Little Mermaid. Little Mermaid. Little Mermaid. They're doing Little Which, Mermaid. Why? Completely unnecessary. Is all of these live action adaptations of the animated pictures? Yeah. Is want, just a money grab. Oh, and, and unfortunately, the original animators don't make any money on them. By the way, the it original surprise me at all. That's uh, because of the way the contracts are set up. They don't get residuals for remake for live action things, which is. I mean, Lion King. Yeah. Shot for shot for shot remake mm-hmm. of the animated. And I hear and it's, it's gorgeous, and I haven't seen it. Completely unnecessary. And right, I, we'll have to talk about that yeah, at some yeah. point. Yeah. We'll but 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 I, I will say this. When you consider, I mean, you look at something like you mentioned Godzilla. Um, the American Godzilla was hated at release in America. Which one? The Matthew Broderick Godzilla. But that wasn't Godzilla. <laughs> I know. So remaking a Godzilla, so having Godzilla show up, making an, Ameri- an American Godzilla movie again. Yeah. You know. This is this isn't a case of nostalgia or a remake. It's a case of. I think see I think Godzilla I think Godzilla is a is a is a is a is a different ball of wax. Oh sure. Because of the history of the character. Oh yeah. Because of how many movies we've had over the years mm-hmm. of Godzilla right. and the different iterations of the verses. I think, speaking of which, did you see? I got an email on this the other day. Criterion is putting together a collection. Of the Godzilla films between 1954 and 1975. Ooh. All of them. And this, I think it's something like eight or 12 DVDs, and it's all of them. Did they them. list the price? I think it's 150 or 180 oh, dollars. No, it's not bad at all. That's Especially, not bad. I mean, it's Criterion. Criterion, yeah. Godzilla yeah. Criterion Collection. Ooh, what do I, like, I want for Christmas? Mm, <laughs> I think it's coming out in October. Yeah. So, all right. So we've we've wandered we've wandered a little bit far afield. Um, a little bit, a couple of times. Yeah, but we do that. It's it swirls around. Um, and and those of you uh, who are paying attention, yes, this is Hans Gruber on the table, uh, a Funko Pop Hans Gruber, um, not genre, but I haven't quite figured out where to put it yet. <laughs> So it landed here for now. Um, okay, so uh, I guess so. Uh, uh, oh, program, no. please are, don't shoot me. We are going to. <laughs> we are going to do. Uh, we are going to have a new salacious crumbs coming soon. You've got tartar sauce. Yep. Uh, we're going to have a new one on Wednesday. Um, I am going to be on the Sweetcast live stream Monday night at nine, um, and we will have links to all of that, mm-hmm. and we'll do that over on our social media. By the way, on Instagram. We are, I think, eleven away from nine hundred followers. Yeah. So, cool. and we're up to twelve, twelve, fifteen, twelve hundred and fifteen subscribers on our YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And the goal right now, if once we hit fifteen hundred YouTube subscribers, we will do a live Q and A with Tom Kane, mm-hmm. the voice of Yoda and right. narrator Smurf and uh, Professor Newtonium, and you know all that. So. So share with your friends and make sure that you're still subscribed because YouTube has 
been doing some really wonky, funky things with subscriptions and notifications and, and, and people are subscribed to channels and they're not getting notifications when new stuff comes out hmm. or what it, it's it's a thing so make sure that you're still subscribed uh, to the channel make sure that you hit the bell for the notifications and of course don't forget that um if you are looking for stuff uh 10% discount when you use the promo code sci-fi for me 10 over at superherostuff.com and that's going to do it for this conversation this time. Uh, if you have thoughts, make sure you leave them in a comment below. Or to hear from you. you can send us an email, h2o at sci-fi for me.com. And we'll do this again next week. Maybe yeah. live like Fingers we're supposed crossed. to. Fingers crossed. All right. Thanks very much for watching, folks. And uh, we will be back next week. Thanks. Copyright 2019 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.